Hello, Rue. Hi, Nick. How have you been? I'm very well. How are you doing? I'm brilliant. It's lovely to hear you. It's been, oh, it's been about a month, I think. It's been a fair little while, hasn't it? Well, you've been busy working off over in Fancy Pants, Texas. Yes, I I had a week off in Texas, which, not a week off, a week away in Texas working, not a week off. Um, (laughs) Important distinction. Um, And then I think when it came around to the next recording slot, I think we were both just exhausted and neither of us could quite (laughs) cope with... We needed a week off. Another one. Another one, yeah. (laughs) But here we are, we're, we're back, episode 28. Hello, Nick. Welcome, Beardy Dads. Hello, listeners, this is Beardy Dads, and uh, we're a pair of dads with beards, and uh, we're maybe slightly less tired than usual, actually, Nick. Yeah, doing all right, actually. We're, we are admittedly recording it slightly earlier in the evening than we, we have in the past, but it's it's also coincided, we'll get into a bit about what's been going on, but we had a good night last night. I'm not as tired as I have been. Good. I definitely want to hear more about sleep and uh, and what's going on in your world. But before we talk about what's going on with our kids, um, it's uh, it's been a while and we've had a, a birth announcement. David Jenkins has got in touch to say, My wife and I are proud to announce the birth of our daughter, May Jenkins, at 12.08 on Thursday the 23rd of October weighing £7.6 six ounces. Mother and baby are doing fine. Born by C-section, in preference to induction, at Kingston Hospital, and everything went smoothly. In fact, born to the one and only by Chesney Hawks. I kind of feel the need to... David, I, I want to follow up. Was that by choice, or was that just coincidence? <laughs> Did somebody have their finger on the pause button? Yeah. And as the baby was coming out, that was the moment when you... Yeah. Or did you just have a playlist of songs that, yeah, and any one of which could have been the song? Music for, for the birth, what do you do with your playlist? Did you have a playlist? No, no, we, we didn't go in with anything like that. Nor did we, and I, I thought about it beforehand, but no, we didn't get anywhere near it. So, mm. yeah, unless you were listening to Jack FM, David Jenkins, I'd like to know as well, what, what was it that caused Chesney Hawks to be playing? This could have just been hospital radio going, couldn't it? It could have been that. So, some more details. Congratulations to you all, but but we feel we need some more details about Chesney Hawks. <laughs> it's been a while since I've heard that song. Unfortunately, it's now running through my head, <laughs> and I'm going to be mentally humming it for the rest of this episode. Okay, let's get it out by talking about uh, what's been going on since the last episode. So, um, something I've heard secondhand about your daughter, Lauren... Uh, yes. who I guess is probably eight months old now. Um, how are we doing about, yeah, eight months, coming up to nine. So I've heard via um, your wife, via my wife, that Lauren's had another pair of teeth come through. I believe we are up to five. Five teeth? Yes, we've got, um, it's, it's, you've got the classic two up, two down. Yep. And um, I think a another one on the top has just cut through in the last day or so. Oh, that's so exciting. So um, you've, you've got an yeah. odd number of teeth. We've got uh, the bottom two, and the top two are maybe close, but not not breaking through. So right. uh, yeah, we've got a little while to go. Yeah. Does, does this mean that she's um, unrelated? Uh, yeah. Is Lauren still breastfeeding? She is. She's ah. st- but not as much. Um, she only now really has a feed when she wakes up in the morning and a feed when she's going to bed. Yeah. But we we don't do 
there are no other feeds during the day, there's no feeds during the night, you know, if she's unsettled through the night, and being very careful not to resort to that, um, yeah, making sure she's learning to settle herself and not rely on on breastfeeding to get her back down. But but yeah, so she she has a quick feed in the morning and a quick feed on the way to bed. Um but otherwise it's it's um yeah, messy messy time in the high chair and throwing food all over the place. It's great. And is she getting the hang of picking food up and, and uh, feeding herself? What's what's going on with uh uh we've talked a lot about baby led weaning before, haven't we? Yeah, so we um we tend to use Ella's pouches a fair bit they um, are so good aren't they yeah they're quick and convenient but we we use those if we're going out or if maybe for a lunch if we want to quickly grab something but but certainly for evening meal or and in fact we you know the weekend when we're all home it's all a bit more relaxed because both joe and i are here to deal with stuff we'll put something together for her like tonight she had some salmon pasta that we reheated from last night and Mm. it's all these things which are quite easy for her to mush even though she's got the teeth it's still got to be fairly, fairly mushroom. But I think she's definitely enjoying being able to actually chomp and mm, mm. take, you know, actually do some, some cutting with the teeth. So. <laughs> Must yeah. be very satisfying. Yeah. Although the, um, you know, it's still a bit of a mess. She's adamantly only uses her right hand for all of this. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, her left hand is quite firmly kept out of any <laughs> involvement with food. Kept nice and clean. Yeah. Um and but she's quite if we put the um Tommy Tippy cup you know with with the um the the lid on in front of her she, she can pick it up and drink um which is quite cute but then she's also got this she gets into this habit of squirting it out of her mouth <laughs> so if if you're sat in front of her and you know holding the cup you know, she can do it herself but you know obviously we still offer it up to her um I think I've I've learned this technique of as you take the cup away, you keep the cup in front of her mouth for a couple of seconds, <laughs> like a shield. C- c- yeah, because most of the time, it, and she can, if you don't, she can really squirt it. Oh, that's cute. So this isn't just dribbling, just not just letting it go, no, but it, actually it pushing is, it out. It's not just water falling out of her mouth. This is she's spitting it. <laughs> at oh, you. interesting. But um, interesting. It's all it's all fun and endearing. It's all apart from the times when you forget and she gets you, <laughs> then. <laughs> Slightly less fun and endearing, but but yeah, it's all good. How's Oliver getting on? Yeah, really good actually. Um, he's not talking yet, but he does have the odd word occasionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when he went out shopping with Rachel a few weeks ago, he was um, he was saying hiya to everybody who came past, <laughs> which was hilarious. Uh, and he's had the odd like dada and mama a bit, but yeah, he's not doing it reliably. He's not sort of right. doing it on cue. But yeah, no, he's. Uh, He's ever such fun to be around at the moment. He's very smiley. Yeah. Um, definitely want to read a, a tweet that we we got about the subject of sleep because last episode uh, we had that recording from Rachel with mm. patting Oliver to sleep. Yeah, and that, that we, was so hypnotic listening to that. It, that was, it was yeah. hypnotic for him and for us and for the listeners. But I must say, Nick, we have learned some things about sleep in the meantime. Uh, so yeah, anyone who was left on tenterhooks thinking, oh my goodness, Rachel and Rue are, are learning to get Oliver to sleep by patting him to sleep, how is that going to work in the long term? Yeah. <laughs> the answer is, you don't really want to get into that as a habit. <laughs> it's it's a dangerous, dangerous uh, world, a dangerous precedent that you're setting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, but children like routine, uh, and yep. they like to 
establish certain rituals and patterns of behaviour. And uh, yeah, unless you want to pat your child to sleep every single time they fall asleep, it's definitely not a habit that we would recommend or endorse. <laughs> yeah, certainly a couple of weeks ago, certainly the week I was in, in Texas, um, Joe had it quite bad, The that Lauren was was just waking up or wouldn't go to sleep, you know, waking up through the night and taking an hour or more to get back down. And I think the week after I came back, you know, most nights from about three till four, she'd be awake and it's just, it was a lot of hard work settling her back down. And we, mm. we did a bit of controlled crying. We did a bit of, you know, patting her and all this sort of stuff. And, um, yeah, it, it, it was hard work and just tiring for the pair of us sort of taking turns to deal with it. But, you know, touch wood, um, she's slept mostly through most days for the last few, well, last good few days. So um, we think it might have been just with these teeth coming through, she was um, just uh, teething, was, was waking her up and, um, you know, just causing some pain, which made it that bit harder for her to get back to sleep. But we had resorted to letting her, you know, bringing her back into our room. Because I guess, I mean, the other news from our point of view is she has now moved into the nursery, so she's not in the same room as us, finally. OK, because you, you were having some repair where maybe the roof was being redone, so she she wasn't in the nursery for a while, was she? Yeah, and that work's still not been done. So there's <laughs> there's still a bucket in that room. Um, but it just got to the point where her being in the same room as us was just disrupting her sleep too much. Hmm. Um, the fact she, if she stirred, she would see us there and want us. Whereas mm. at least in getting her used to sleeping by herself in the nursery, if she stirs, she's more likely to soothe herself without that knowledge that we are right there on hand. So, yeah, a bit of space for her to sort of learn, yeah. learn to sleep on her own a bit more. Yeah, exactly that. So, um, so she's in her own room, but we've got into the bad habit of just bringing her, because we were so exhausted, bringing her back into our room and letting her fall asleep lying on us. Mm. And that, yeah. Danger. After a few days of that, we you sort of know it's the wrong thing to be doing because it's getting into the wrong habit. So we got much more disciplined about, you know, once she goes into the nursery, you know, she doesn't come out until the morning. And if that means we go in there and settle her in there, then that's what you have to do. Right, this is very convenient because we've had uh, a tweet, a slightly heartbreaking tweet actually, from mm. uh, a guy called Eric Tsai, uh, who said, a couple of weeks ago now, eight month old, won't sleep, wants milk, was just fed. Let her cry? Future psychological issues? <laughs> tried everything. Let them sleep camp and the must not let your baby feel abandoned camp. Kind of tried both. Blah. We were very much in that space as well of do you do the controlled crying approach and if, even if you go down the controlled crying approach, which which approach do you take? Because there's a variety. And, of course, you go on to mums, net, net mums, there's, you know, th- this is one of those divisive issues over, as as Eric says, are you making them feel abandoned if you do it? So, mm. um, And it can be, there were times when I just wanted to go in and pick her up and cuddle her, but to settle her. But if you're doing the controlled crying... We did it for two or three nights, and it seemed to work. You know, it mm-hmm. did seem to um, get over that little bout of of um, trouble we were having getting it to settle. And yeah, I mean, there, there are lots. I don't think we've really talked about controlled crying at all. Uh, show, what have we? we? I think we've mentioned it. 
Um, but yeah. I, I don't think we we got very much into the, um, the mechanics of it. Yeah, the, the sort of process of of what's involved. Mm. So there's a couple of schools of thought here, aren't there? There's there's um, one thing I think we mentioned in passing. A recommendation from Neil Williams was a thing called the pick up put down method, mm. uh, where you pick the baby up when they're crying, uh, and then once they're settled, you put them back down again. Yep. Uh, and I suppose the other approach is you leave them to their own devices uh, and let them try and settle themselves, even if they are crying. Mm. Um, I suppose even with that, though, um, what I've read anyway uh, has has involved a little bit of common sense being thrown in there as well. So if if you get the sense that the baby is really distressed or is, you know, in in major discomfort, then, uh, you know, bending that rule and and picking up a a screaming baby and trying trying to soothe it. Uh, is is not totally verboten. You know, there's there's still some some common sense that uh, that feeds into it. Yeah, I think the basic pattern we we followed was, or the guidelines we followed were around. You know, you when they start crying, you, you leave them for a couple of minutes just to see if they're going to settle themselves. But if mm. not, you go in and you pick them up and you don't talk to them. You don't you try and avoid eye contact. You just want to reassure them that you're there, but without stimulating them. Yes. And then get them to stop crying, and and once they've calmed down and settled, put them back down. And once you put them down, if even if they start crying, you leave the room, regardless. Mm-hmm. And then you wait. And this is where there's a slight difference in opinion. There was one technique where you leave it for one minute, then go back and repeat. Then you leave it for two minutes, then four, then eight. So you're sort of doubling up how long you leave them crying. Mm-hmm. And then there was one who said you should do it for five, leave it for five minutes, then ten minutes, then twenty minutes. So there, you sort of get to quite big time gaps much quicker. Mm. And that's what we tried first because that was the first one we read up. And that ten minutes of them crying was just awful. So <laughs> I know I just couldn't do it. So we, um, so I sort of unilaterally decided right, I'm doing two minutes, four minutes, eight minutes, just because. Um, it's it's no fun, uh, just listening to your child cry. But um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, I say it, it seemed seemed to get there. Until recently, um, we've not had any sort of regular routine uh, when it comes to sleep. Um, and I think in the last episode, which I, I think was four weeks ago now, you heard Rachel getting Oliver to sleep with with mm. some patting. Um, and like I said earlier, like we, we've learned since then that that's uh, probably probably not the right way of doing it. And the difference in the last few weeks that we've seen, having tried a little bit more routine, a little bit more discipline around sleep, has been enormous. And, and it's only now looking back at it that I realise how unstructured Oliver's sleep was uh, and, and how much easier it is for him and for us now that he's got some routine and, and some... Yeah. Uh, some structure around around the day, and I, I think there's three bits to it. One that we've talked about a fair a fair bit before, which is ritual. Mm-hmm. So g- going to sleep with a certain pattern, you know, certain sequence of events that they get used to. Uh, the second one, the rules. So uh, like you were just talking about, like not being stimulated, not being over com- comforted, not being picked up and cuddled at the first sign of sign of distress, but actually being a little bit. Oh, I don't know. It's not. It's not cold-hearted or anything but you know no. just just being a little bit more distance when it's time to to sleep 
maybe rules isn't the right word, but you know, some something around the sort of discipline of what your interaction with the baby is like when they're falling asleep. Yeah. And then, and then the other one that we were really lacking on until recently is the idea of a schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, do we say schedule or schedule in this country? Um, I always get the American one. Schedule. 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 We say schedule yeah. with a k, whereas Americans would say schedule. Schedule. Okay. I think so. So I'm going to say schedule then because I, I trust you. And if I'm saying the wrong one, then listeners, you know why. Um, but yeah, the third, the third thing. So if if ritual and rules, and I wish this one began with an R as well, but routine. Uh, uh, maybe that's it. Maybe it's uh, ritual, rules, <laughs> and routine. Like a, a fixed time in the day. Yeah. This is the time that we go to bed. Yeah. And if you're not tired, then maybe tomorrow you will be. But it's this time that you're doing it. Yeah. And we weren't doing that at all. Like previously, he was just falling asleep whenever he was tired. And if that happened to coincide with him being in the car and he only slept for 10 minutes and then we got out of the car, then, oh, well, you know, maybe he'll, he'll nap again in another couple of hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually now we've been um, making notes of the times that he's sleeping. Right. Um, but also being very intentional about, OK, this is this is the time we've got, you know, s- certain fixed times during the day um, and obviously at night as well when. Yeah, we're going to we're going to start getting ready for bed half an hour before because that's how long it takes. And then you're going to be falling asleep at a particular time and I reckon those three things together have made a huge difference I'm definitely thinking we're getting more sleep than we ever were before that's uh, good he's regularly sleeping for 12 hours at a time uh, oh, in a way that he really really wasn't before and I, I remember saying that he was quite a good sleeper mm. um, but as he got older and as he reached sort of eight nine months and then up into 10 months it was all beginning to fall apart a little bit and and I think yeah. he was definitely lacking this kind of structure and, and discipline and he wasn't able to soothe himself back to sleep if he woke up in the night he'd he'd want feeding he wouldn't settle back down again until he'd been picked up and cuddled and fed and getting out of all that habit you know getting him in, into a stage now where I can sing to him uh when it's bedtime I can put him into into bed walk out and close the door um mm. you know that that is just a totally different world and the first few days of trying to get into these these better habits I wouldn't have believed that was possible. And, and I think the first night we spent about three hours trying to get him to sleep. And exactly in, right. in the way that you were describing, sort of, OK, yeah. we're not going to pick him up, but we're going to sit with him, not looking at him and reassure him from a distance. Mm. Uh, and that was, yeah, for the first night, that was incredibly difficult. Uh, and then the second mm. night got a bit easier. And then by the end of the first week, we were able to do it from outside of the room. Right. Um, so having gone from being literally sat next to the cot gradually over the course of a week getting slightly further away each night <laughs> and then in the second week being outside the door but with it open a crack yeah so sort of you know reassuring him just by just by saying shh, shh, shh from mm-hmm. from the hall uh and then yeah by by the third week um it was uh it was much less necessary for him to sort of see or hear us uh and he would he would start to fall asleep um, yeah, even even with the door closed. That's um, really good. Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. And so the the book we've been reading, I, I think I've mentioned it before, but I've only really been taking it seriously the last two or three weeks, is uh, Good Night Sleep Tight by Kim West, uh, right. which I cannot recommend enough. Uh, and yeah, it's de- definitely, definitely working for us. Yes, I think the, the daytime routine is increasingly important. With us, with, um, I think with the fact that Toby's going to school every day, um, means Joe has got a um, because Lauren's both the kids t- 
typically wake up about half five or six at the moment and we're kind of just dealing with this fact <laughs> <laughs> um but lauren tends to have her first nap around 9 a.m mm. um which coincides quite well with when joe's just dropped toby off at school so typically she'll be in the car seat in the buggy for the walk to school and she might sleep then but then in the car wherever joe if she's coming straight home or going somewhere it's kind of a regular time when lauren's going to be in the car seat and she can have a nap in the morning Mm. so i think that's that's one where rather than fit around her schedule i think her schedule is adapted well to what um joe has to do because i mean that's the challenge when you do have two that with toby going to school there's you know we can't not pick toby up for school because lauren's just going down for a nap (laughs) we've kind of got to do that but um but again that does also mean though that um those are just opportunities for lauren to have a nap when she's in the car seat at those fixed times every day whilst joe's going to get toby so does that give long enough um is is the journey um it's enough enough to can be a good a good sleep because often she'll get grouchy if she hasn't gone to sleep. It's enough to get her to sleep. Mm-hmm. And then if she sleeps in the porch... Oh, no, no, I was going to say in the porch. We don't even the porch. We bring the car seat into the hallway. Yeah. Um, but if she's asleep, then Joe will leave her in the car seat. Or, in fact, she actually managed to transfer her from the car seat into her cot for the first time virtually this week, I think. Oh, that's fine. Without waking her. Um, yeah. Which, again, will be a better thing for her to get used to waking up and sleeping in her cot and not Mm. having naps Mm. wherever she happens to be in the house. (laughs) Yeah. Birdie dads! Talking of school, um, it's been a few weeks now. Have you had half-term recently? This is the end of half-term. Ah, how was that? And and how's he been enjoying his first half-term of of school ever? He's really enjoying it. They've been doing dinosaurs this half-term, which he is a big fan of anyway so it's a good thing to start on i think if you're going to school and the first thing you do is half a term of dinosaurs yeah yeah but he's um oh no he he's really taken to it i sort of forget he's a schoolboy now yeah he's <laughs> still my little boy but the fact you know every every night in bed now when we'd always read two or three stories or we'd read to him now he reads one to us before we read one to him oh that's nice he can read <laughs> what's what's and yeah, because he comes home every day with a couple of books, reading books, from from school. And has he changed a lot in the last few weeks? Has he been? Has he is, is he reading more confidently now than he did when he first went to school? Well, that's the thing. When he went to school, I, th- I think this, my surprise with that is yes, okay, we we know he knew his letters and numbers and stuff, but we we'd not done reading with him. Mm. Yeah, that that's just a. An in, I mean, we may have done little bits of him looking at individual obviously reading individual letters, but sounding out entire words, we may have done a little bit of, but not ever really to the extent of sitting down with a book and getting him to read the story in the book. We're not talking war and peace here. We are talking like the cat is sat on the mat type (laughs) sentences. But so definitely seen progression there and just over the short you know what six seven weeks of the first half term um but i think for him more generally and 
and for Joe and Lauren, who it's the, um, I think he gets quite tired because coming home at quarter past three, half three, we are, I think we have actually taken to going to bed half an hour, an hour earlier than normal or mm. than normal than we were before. Mm. So whereas before we'd aimed to ha- have him in bed for seven, you know, we're now trying to make sure he's in bed for not, not long past six, mm-hmm. just because he does get grouchy. And I think we've had quite a few tantrums just around not wanting to do stuff because he's been overtired. Right. Um, so yeah, you know, it's, it's just getting the right balance. Cause you know, it's, it's, quite intense for him you know yeah, the, busy day a lot a lot of energy yeah a lot going on but mm. um it's been great this week i took wednesday off work to have a day with them and we went um we went up to the winchester science center in tech where they've got a planetarium and oh, lots yeah. of hands-on sciencey stuff yeah i haven't been there for a while um, what did tell yeah. you make of that he really enjoyed it i mean we we went to a show in the planetarium which was more a it was an animated film about trees rather than a actual planetarium, you know, stars and the like. But mm. um, as an experience, you know, fully immersive film. Yeah, he really enjoyed that. And then the, the all the hands-on science experiments they've got there are great. It was, being half-term, it was actually heaving with kids. So, <laughs> right. um, But no, he, he enjoyed it. It was good stuff. But I say, it's, it's, it's all about the routine, both for, you know, both for Lauren, but for him as well. Getting him dressed for school each morning, getting them all out of the house in time and all that sort of stuff, it's... It's becoming easier. Good, I'm glad. Beardy Dads! Hello, Beardy Dads. My name's Phil. I'm the father of two 16-week-old twins, Jake and Zach, and I'd like to share an evening bedtime routine tip. Um, something we do before uh, the bath is something called nappy-off time, which, as the name implies, is uh, a time when you can have your babies without their nappies on. Um, our boys are both in big cloth nappies, so it's quite nice for them. It's quite liberating for them to have a little roll around without their, their big nappies on now. We put them on a, one of those foamy change mats with thick sides so that when the inevitable happens and they pee everywhere, uh, it's at least contained a little bit within the, uh, within the mat. We put them under an activity arch, uh, just when we keep upstairs in the bathroom, and they're, they're normally pretty active, and they seem to really enjoy uh, not having their nappies on and just having a good old wiggle. Um, the way that it works with the, with the two boys is, uh, let's say Zach's going first, so Zach will be uh, under the arch, uh, nappy off, and his brother will be sitting in a rocker, um, just close to hand, so it means I can still interact with both of them, I can still uh, talk to both of them and, and give Jake a little rock on the rocker or um, wiggle the activity arch uh, for Zach. Uh, when it comes time to switch, uh, my wife normally comes in, gives me a hand, I take Zach, put him in the bath, and uh, Jake moves to under the um, under the arch and nappy off, and enjoys again that little bit of wiggle freedom. Um, with the bath uh, is the second tip. Uh, we've got uh, a baby bath. Funnily enough, as lots of people do, but it's um, it's sort of a seat and bath in one. It's the if you type in baby bath on Amazon, it's the it's the top result, and it's got a sloping back and a little seat bit, so so the boys can sort of sit in there fairly unsupported. You still want to be within catching distance if they start to move around, but the the massive benefit is if, like me, you forget to grab the towel every time, uh, you can stand up, grab the towel, and get back to the bath without uh, having to do all sorts of weird twisting and turning motions. Um, So it's really handy for that. So there you go. Nappy off time uh, is something nice to add into the bedtime routine. Uh, and a bath where they can sit unsupported 
is also very handy and I thoroughly recommend it. Thanks for that, Phil. That was brilliant. When Phil sent that in, he also added that he's glad the perfect prep machine discussions keep coming in. And they do. And they do. Um, He just wanted to share a slight warning. Just wanted to share a slight warning. A friend of ours has one and makes the milk just before it's needed. The upshot is that their daughter has developed a slight Pavlovian response and gets excited whenever she hears the beep. (laughs) Oh, that's brilliant. To get around this, and to make sure a bottle is ready in case of grizzling babies, we tend to make ours up to 15 minutes early or so. A Pavlovian response would be doubly bad for us as our kettle produces a near-identical beep. And of course, as we know, Phil's got twins, so uh, a Pavlovian response to the perfect prep machine from a pair of twins would be very irritating. Yeah, and just imagine if you're out and about and, you know, hear random beeps. Oh, that would be a nightmare. So his suggestion then is just to leave a bit of a break so that they don't connect the beeping with the feeding. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense. That makes sense. Unless they're very good at having a sort of internal clock of, mm. I've heard the beep, and then several minutes later something happens. But it's amazing, even just the little things you don't realise you do, which are part of the routine that, I mean, with Lauren, if she sees you holding like her bib or something, you know, there are just certain artefacts that yeah, yeah. if she sees you with, then... She suddenly wants something and, and yeah, tricky games. <laughs> Does her face light up when the Ella's pouch comes out? I don't think she sees that so much. It's, I think, uh, little yoghurt pots. Oh, yeah, they're fun as or well. Or fruit pots, whatever it might be. But that's little shape. That always, um, if she sees that on the table, um, <laughs> sometimes I've had her just stop eating whatever her mane is. She wants her pudding. Do you have, in your house, do you have the yoghurts in tubes? Not for Lauren. We got some of those for Toby um, mm-hmm. recently for the first time. I, I forget why we ended up with them. Um, I don't think he really got on with them. So, no, <laughs> we, we well, haven't tried those. We found that um, a yoghurt in a tube, which is right. like a, a long, I don't know, cellophane plastic yeah. wrap thing. Um, yeah, it's like a tube of yoghurt. Uh, you snip the end off, hand it to Oliver. He knows which in, end is the open end, puts that in his mouth, squeezes it from the bottom, sucks it all in. It's great. Wow. It's sometimes a tiny bit messy, but he knows how to deal with the yoghurt. Well, I was going to say, I imagine that's potentially much cleaner or potentially much worse. So you can just <laughs> yeah. squeeze it and spray it. But When it goes wrong, it goes very badly wrong. Yeah. In a way that the Ella's Kitchen pouches don't really. I quite no. like all of this like space age food in in handy plastic pouches. It's yeah. it's uh, very convenient. And yeah, he just he just sucks that down as well and uh yeah, shows you when it's empty. It's it's great fun. Does he actually handle the pouch because Oh yeah. So with the pouches we tend to do um dispense yeah, we squeeze it onto a spoon and and let let Lauren either take the spoon and Oh Nick. No, there's it. a whole advanced technique uh yeah. which is much much easier. Uh, which is you don't bother with the spoon at all. He puts the end of the, the nozzle in his mouth. And again, he knows, uh, he learned this incredibly quickly, like which, which end is the one the food comes out mm-hmm. of. And he'll he'll sort of squeeze it. Uh, he squeezes it too much from the top. It would be much more efficient if he knew to squeeze it from the bottom and roll it up. He's not quite there right. yet. Um, but even without squeezing, even just the sort of suction on it, um, he can empty one of those in a few minutes uh, and does a does a very good job of it without spoon. Uh, and without us even having to touch it, I can open it, put it on the on the tray in front of him, uh, and pretty much leave him to it. And it's uh, yeah, it's it's a pleasure to watch. Have to give that one a go. Yeah, recommend it. I'm sure it's uh, I'm sure it's fine in terms of their mouth shape and um, 
development of their gums and teeth and everything. I, c- I can't see there being a problem. It's a you know it's a little plastic nozzly thing. Yeah, he's he's not chewing on it. He doesn't really suck it or oh he sucks it to get the liquid out, but he doesn't really mm. bite it or or even nibble it. Um, yeah, it's quite a it's quite an interesting little. It reminds me in a in a funny way of. Um, a gerbil or a hamster in a cage with those little water <laughs> water drink yep. dispenser things. Yeah, no, I can I see that. that. Yeah. Baby dads. Paul Ashton, aka Ash, has emailed in to ask for some help. He says, "I love the show, and my first child is due in a few weeks. I have a decent shopping list of baby stuff I've generated from listening to you. I'm writing in though, as I'm after a personal recommendation for useful books on parenthood." I tend to have little time for reading physical or ebooks, so I was hoping for some titles that are available as audiobooks. Any help would be greatly received, Ash. Well, that's an interesting one. Uh, I have to say, I'm not, not one I've gone looking for audiobooks. Do you know of any mm, room? No, nor me. I did have a very quick look on Audible, because we've still got uh, an Audible account, and occasionally mm-hmm. download our free Audible book. And they do have 150-odd books with the word parenting in the title or description, and including uh, a series from the National Parenting Centre, uh, which look like, like they'll probably be quite good. Mm. Um, but no, I'm afraid I don't have any uh, personal recommendations on audio parenting books. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, if, if listeners have got any, any ideas or anything that they've particularly enjoyed listening to that isn't Beardy Dads, then uh, yeah, we'd, we'd love to pass on some tips to Ash. Yeah, absolutely. I do know I mean, that there's the almost canonical book, What to Expect When You're Expecting, which they made a film of. I was going to say, I know of that but, as a film, but not as a book. But I, I, as I understand it, the film isn't quite the instructive teaching material you'd perhaps want from an adap- adaptation of a book about what to expect when you're expecting. Did I they turn it into sort of rom-com thing? I think it's rom-com, yeah, bad Hollywood film. Yeah, it's, it's, it's bad. <laughs> so books, audiobooks, um, yeah, things that Ash can listen to in his busy life where he doesn't get to read anything. We've got a new iTunes review, Rue. Hooray for iTunes reviews. Excellent. Well, I say new. It is actually a month old um, because obviously we've not not been recording for a little while. And it's by Phil Saunders, who um, has cropped up a fair bit in this show. Thank you, Phil. Thank you, Phil. So he says, well, wait wait till you hear it, Rue. Okay, it might be a terrible review, I suppose. It might be. Something to enjoy in the rare, quieter moments. Five stars. Oh, good. Thank you, Phil. So he says, let's be honest, if you are here reading this, you're probably a new dad or a potential new dad or even an experienced dad. The Beardy Dads podcast is well worth a listen, either in the car, on the way to work or in the evening with the baby monitor on in the background. They cover a huge range of topics, mainly baby focused, and it's nice to hear other dads musing over things which are likely to be coming up in my new son's lives. The tips and tricks they suggest have been very useful so far and I look forward to each update. One slight oddity of the iTunes store is that it classifies this podcast as explicit. Those hoping for a Gordon Ramsay-style swear fest may be in for disappointment. I think I've only heard a singular F-bomb dropped. Maybe I just haven't reached the swearing episode. (laughs) Thank you, Phil. Yeah, I think the explicit uh, tag is my fault. I had a choice when I was putting it into into the iTunes thing. And, um, yeah, I, I opted to go for explicit just in case. But we haven't been swearing very much, have we? There have been... One or two's crept in, but you know, we're, we're, we're hardly, um, as he says, we're hardly the Gordon Ramseys of the parenting world. Fuck no. <laughs> I was considering it. I, <laughs> I just couldn't bring myself to do it. 
Oh, it seems, yeah, it seems like you don't need to swear very much when you're talking about babies. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure other people would disagree. But anyway, thank you very much, Phil. And uh, thank you to everyone who's been talking to us and about us since the last episode. That includes Guy Fenix, Andrew Thorpe, Chris Lunch, Stu Parkin, Peter Fletcher, uh, and of course, Lopter. We can't have an episode without saying a big thank you to Wes West for uh, our wonderful theme tune. Thank you, Wes. And if you're listening to this and you want to get in touch, maybe you've got some ideas about some audiobooks uh, for parents, or maybe you've got your own tips about sleep routine or anything else we've talked about, you can get in touch. We are podcast at beardydads.co.uk on the email. And we're at beardydads on the Twitter. And we would love to hear from you, so please do share your tips uh, and... Hopefully, we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time. Yes, two weeks. We'll do that, Rue. Good. (laughs) I look forward to it. All right, Nick. Bye-bye. Cool. See you soon. Bye.